0: Actually, I have one more announcement, it's a very good announcement, and I want to invite the leadership team up with me to make this announcement. So come on up, leadership team. If you are new at River House, uh, the leadership team is, functions as an elder team here, and our job is to really uh, come alongside Pastor Jordan and really discern God's heart for the church, what he's doing, because Jesus is the head of the church, Amen. And so our job is to come alongside and just discern what God is doing. And so this is John Bottles. Megan Bailey. And our other member who's not here tonight is Johnny Glisson. Johnny, we love you. He's on live stream tonight. He actually is not feeling well tonight. so. So we wanted to bring you into the conversation and some decision that's been made that's been a very good decision We, as a leadership team, have made the decision to send Pastor Jordan on sabbatical this summer. And we are very excited about that. And we won't go into all the details tonight, but we just wanted to share with you so that we as a body could really get behind this and really own this. And this is actually a really huge blessing, not only for Pastor Jordan and Jackie, but also for Riverhouse Church. Because when a minister of God like Jordan, who has sown so extravagantly over the years, you know, one of the best things we can do is steward the gift and the grace of God on his life. And a church benefits from that. A church like ours, we want many, many, many years of a healthy, strong, vibrant Jordan Verner in this house. Amen? Yeah, amen. So let's just talk through some of the things kind of that, that we've been praying and discerning from the Lord uh, in this matter. Yeah, so we've actually been discerning this for over 16 months. So we've taken our time dialoguing and praying and discerning the right timing, the right season into when to bless Jordan with this sabbatical. And obviously 2020 is not a great year to send off our leader and so throughout this last year of 2020, we've just been keeping open dialogue and really pressing into when God would have this time for Jordan. And we really feel that this season, this summer, is the time and is the season to send him off to be refreshed. So we've taken a lot of time and weighed this very heavily. And so we make this decision um, very thoughtfully and under the guidance of the Lord. So this is the, the time is now is what we're feeling God is saying really good and you know one of the things that uh, i don't know about you but a lot of us come from different church backgrounds and some of the church backgrounds i come from when the word sabbatical comes up is like a, it's not a good thing you know it's like uh oh you know kind of thing and i just wanted to say like this is not a uh oh things are going well like our church is growing and thriving pastor jordan is doing an amazing job our staff is as strong as it's ever been And uh, we have more people engaged in leadership and leading revival groups and volunteers than we've ever had as a church. It just feels like this is the time to rest the field of Jordan so that that field can continue to produce for many, many years to come. So just wanted to to, to let that out. This is not a, uh uh-oh. There's nothing bad going on behind the scenes. This is about rest for the future so that Jordan can continue to, to be the, and follow the calling of God on his life. Amen, church? Amen. John, did you want to share anything?
1: Yeah, so I'm, uh, ever since I heard, it's been a while ago, but ever since I heard that Jordan was potentially going to take sabbatical, I've been super excited for him. I think we all, um, we've all received from his life and he's spent, uh, years and years now with really without a break to pour his heart and soul out to help create what we see here today. So, um, I'm excited for him, and I would encourage us as a church, um, he's still going to be around for a little bit, for a little while, but I would encourage us as a church to uh, just feel the same excitement because it's a, it's a good thing, a really good thing that he's going to get some time just to receive from the Lord and, and just to rest. So we're going to pray for him. So if you guys would just reach out your hands uh, toward Jordan and uh, just pray along with me. So God, we just lift up Jordan before you, Lord, and, and Jackie, Lord, and we thank you for them. God, and I thank you for the last years where Jordan has uh, laid down his life continually, day after day, God, how he's picked up his cross morning by morning and he's followed you, God. And we're thankful as a people, God, we're thankful as Riverhouse Church that he's laid down his life, God, to see your kingdom come, Lord. So we just, yeah, we place him right before your throne room, God, and we just say pour out on him in this season of sabbatical. God, I ask that you just fill him with rest, God, and that your perfect peace would cover him throughout this whole time, and that your perfect peace would cover our church throughout this time. So we just honor you, Jesus, and we're just we're thankful for our leader, Jordan. In Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, church, and let's welcome Pastor Jordan.
2: I've never really like, preached after that before, so uh, let's just let's do something, I guess, huh? All right, um, you know, I've I i I've been asking the Lord all week, what do you share? I knew this announcement was coming, um, and I obviously think it's significant. This is the first time that I have had uh, a time like this, and it's actually a bit of a vulnerable process for me just because... It's like, okay, we just got through COVID. Everything's going good. And now it's like, I don't know what this is going to look like. And then some pastors are like, oh, it's so hard. Your first month will be hell. <laughs> I'm like, oh, awesome. Uh, this sounds exciting. So back to the wilderness. Uh, but truly, I do have excitement in my heart. And as Megan shared, there's been uh, multiple years worth of discernment. And I just wanted to speak into it tonight. night. And I felt the Lord gave me some perspective that I don't think God's just calling me into something. I believe he's calling us as a church into something. And I want to speak into what I believe. He's calling us into as a community. And I'm just going to read a verse here uh, out of Exodus. We can actually just stand for the word of the Lord. uh, And then I'm going to preach and just kind of share out of my own story, my own heart, what I feel the Lord's doing uh, in this season, which I think is a fun season for all of us. This is Exodus 33. And this is talking about Moses, and he's just been up on the mountain with God. God has been giving him this whole blueprint of what he's supposed to create in the tabernacle, the house of God, the place of worship. And then it says in verse 12, it says, Then Moses said to the Lord... Oh, sorry, wrong verse. I'm all, I'm all flustered. One page, it flipped on me. This is verse 30, This is chapter 31. It says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I've called my name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah I have filled him with the spirit of God and wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all kinds of craftsmanship to make artistic designs for work in gold and silver and in bronze and in the cutting of stones for settings and in the carving of wood that he may work in all kinds of craftsmanship and behold I myself have appointed with him Oholiab, the son of Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan and in the hearts of all who are skillful I have put skill that they may make all that I've commanded you the tent of meeting, and the ark of testimony, and the mercy seat upon it, and all the furniture of the tent, the table also and its utensils, and the pure gold lampstand with all its utensils, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offering, and all the utensils, and the labor in its stand, and the woven garments for the priest, and the garments of his sons, which on to carry the priesthood, the anointing oil, the fragrant incense for the holy place. They are there to make them according to all that I have commanded and shown you. That is the word of the Lord thanks be to God you can be seated why did I just share this Old Testament verse because whenever God is starting a work on earth uh, he does something He he has a pattern his anointing falls upon an individual and then a small group of individuals a team of individuals around that person when God wanted to create the tabernacle his anointing came upon Moses He found Moses, he called Moses, and then as this verse describes, and and there's other verses that describe similar things, the anointing of God began to fall upon other individuals around Moses to help Moses create what God had called him to create. Are you following me here? All right, so when God is starting a work on earth, he's going to choose somebody, and then in choosing that somebody, his anointing is going to come upon that person, and then it's going to come upon other persons. He said, all the people with skill. I've put skill in, in the heart of the people with skill, that they can create what I've shown you. I've given you this blueprint, Moses, but my anointing is not just for you. It's going to get on other people, and it's going to get on them, and they're going to be able to create it as well. And we see this pattern that God is a generational God, and he thinks generationally, but he has this pattern. When he wants to do a work he starts with an individual and he and he anoints an individual and then that anointing is supposed to go from an individual to a team of people and then it's supposed to go from a team of people to a tribe of people and then it's supposed to go from a tribe of people to an entire region that gets transformed this is how god works when he when he's trying to change the world when he's trying to start a work when he's trying to begin a church he chooses an individual and then he and then he Through the round, that individual, he builds a team. And then that team is anointed to build a tribe, and that tribe's anointed to transform a region and change the earth. God is always thinking generationally. He's never just thinking individually. Your destiny and my destiny are deeply intertwined because he has knit us together in a community to do something only he can do. Are you following me right now? Right. This didn't happen with Israel. This didn't happen with Moses. The generational work of God, it was thwarted by the flesh... We see Moses, there's there's some interesting passages, but chapter eleven of, of Numbers is like really fascinating because. Moses is basically in this really emotional place with God, and he's like, hey, God, I don't want to keep leading anymore. And in fact, if you're not going to change something, you can just take my life because I'm completely exhausted and overwhelmed from leading all these people with all their needs and all their problems. I promise you that's not where I'm at. But, but, but Moses is, is really crying out. It's quite a vulnerable passage. And Moses is telling this, and then God says, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to anoint 70 elders, and the anointing that I've put on you, I'm going to put on them. Call them all together and tell them this. That the anointing that I've put on you, I'm going to put on them. And there's this moment, they come together, and of 70 elders, they all have an encounter with God, and the anointing of Moses comes upon 70, but it says only two of them actually catch it. Only two of them continue, and they start going into the people and ministering the way that Moses is ministering. And apparently they're ministering so powerfully that Joshua, who is Moses' assistant, comes and is like, you need to stop them. They're doing this ministry. And Moses looks at him and says, don't be jealous for my sake. In other words, he's like, praise God. This thing's catching fire. You know what I'm talking about? Right? But the, the other 68 elders, they didn't catch it. They didn't get the anointing. And we see in number 16, well, actually, I think in Numbers 13, uh, then there's this rebellion of Aaron and Miriam start challenging Moses. Then in number 16, it says that 250 of the leaders, the men of renown of Israel, they, they rebel and they challenge Moses' authority. And Moses had to be kind of, questioning himself, going, God's trying to make all of you prophets. That's what he said in Numbers 11. I I wish that all of you would be prophets. That's the heart of God, that this anointing would come upon all of you, that we would be the anointed of the Lord. That is what Christians means, by the way, the anointed ones, the little anointed ones. Jesus being the big Christ, we being the little anointed ones ones this is Moses got to be scratching his head he's got all these leaders now of the people that are challenging his authority saying you're not the Lord's anointed you're taking this for yourself and he's like "I, I told you five chapters ago the plans for this to get on all of you right but so what was thwarting it why didn't Israel become this generational movement that it was supposed to become the flesh the self-nature, the selfish, sin-filled nature that's full of ego, pride, selfishness, and it produced rebellion, and, and people didn't know how to interact, and they didn't catch the vision, and it was just thwarted. It didn't, it didn't work. This people movement that God was trying to create, he was trying, trying to make Israel light of the nations, but sin thwarted it. This selfish nature thwarted it, right? But Jesus comes. We celebrated it last year. How about Easter service? Wasn't that amazing? Yeah, who was blessed last week? I was, thinking about, I was thinking about it all week. I was like, this is amazing. I didn't even realize I got so carried away. People started saying, I was loving you dancing up there. And I was like, oh man, I thought I was just having my own moment. But apparently you were all getting a kick out of it. But anyways, Jesus came and he, and he gave us the cross. And the cross is his greatest gift. right? He rose from the dead, but the cross he gave to us because the cross has the power to destroy the flesh. And it can destroy that self-nature. It can destroy the thing that thwarts Human community, that, that prideful, ego, selfish, rebellious thing that gets woven up in the flesh nature that actually resists, it, it, it messes up God's design for human community. It messes up this system where God anoints an individual that's supposed to spill onto a team, that's supposed to spill into a tribe, that's supposed to spill into a region of the earth and bring a transformative movement. Jesus gave us the cross, and so we see Jesus' movement. He comes, and what happens? What happens to his team? They get... His anointing. Did you notice that in the book? When Jesus comes. He's the Lord's anointed. John baptizes him. Right. The Holy Spirit comes on him. People hear the voice of God say, "This is my beloved one. Listen to him." And then what happens to his followers? They get anointed. And then what do they start doing with that anointing? Are you guys Are you guys awake? What do they start doing? They were the people who. Turn the world upside down. And then what happened to the followers of Jesus' followers? The same thing. What happened a few generations down the road to the Mediterranean world? It got completely turned upside down. These Jesus' followers brought the Roman imperial cult to its knees. Not through military might, but through the power of agape love the raw expression of the Spirit of God. There's a, a, an atheist, philosopher, historian from Harvard that did a study, and his findings were that the sole thing that, 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 that caused Christianity to explode the way it did was the miraculous power of God. That's what an atheist, philosopher, historian came to. That, that is the only way, right? This anointing actually caught fire. God's presence ushered in a movement. Right? So Jesus' movements actually work. The cross allows community to come under the authority of God through his, his governmental structure so that we can see Jesus' movements sweep the earth. And look at the Wesleyan revival. Look at John Calvin's life. Look at John Wimber's life. We see Jesus' movements work. God anoints individuals. Then those individuals, they, they, they build teams, and then it becomes a tribe. Then it actually sweeps the world. That's God's design. When God is wanting to change the world, that's what he does. So what does that have anything to do with tonight and the board announcing that I'm going on sabbatical? You guys are a little bit of a tough crowd tonight. Like, come on, you gotta be like extra nice. It's, it's vulnerable preaching in front of this, like, okay, sabbatical, you know? I don't I've never done this before. You could at least like give me some pity, you know? Like, like we love you, Jordan, yeah, okay, thanks, thanks. I'm just encouraging myself up here. All right, so what does this have to do with, with tonight? All right, when I, uh, I started in ministry eight years ago, uh, eight years ago next month when I started ministry in this valley. Uh, I, had, I had come out of about five, six years before that when I was just in the straight wilderness. It was very painful, very, very hard. And uh, when I was probably 17 years old, I didn't know it at the time, but that is when the anointing of God came upon me to do this work. I did not know that for many years. I didn't even know what, I wouldn't have had language for that. But I can see very clearly now, I was 17 years old, God anointing came on me, and it was a profound shift in my whole existence. Something changed in me. And there was something that was on me that had not been on me up until that point in my life. And I, I believe that when God's anointing comes upon you, it comes upon you like this because there's authority in the anointing of God. And it's like a double edged sword. And if, a symbol of authority would be like the sword, you know. And Jesus is the one with the double edged sword coming out of his mouth in Revelation. Hebrews 4, we see the word of God's like a double edged sword that's piercing to the thoughts and the, uh, intentions of the heart, the spirit and the soul, the bone and marrow. Right? And so when Jesus puts anointing on, on your life and when he chooses you, he, he takes that double edged sword, he sticks it right on your chest, and he says, Come. And and for you to actually receive it and and wield it and use it, it has to first pierce you. It has to first pierce inside of you. And that double-edged sword has to cut away that which is of the flesh. Right? I didn't know any of this, but his anointing came upon me. It was euphoric. It was powerful. It was transformative. I didn't know what was going on. I was a junior in high school, but I knew something was on me. I didn't have words for it. And within the next year of my life, I remember I was 18 years old. It was the beginning of my senior year of college. And I remember I was in a prayer chapel Before We had a prayer chapel in our home. And I was in the prayer chapel in, in, in almost a dry heave, begging God to take it back. I didn't have words for it but I said I don't want this take this back take this off of me get this away from me I want nothing to do with this whatever this is it's it's ruining my life and and I know I God's gracious because he knew it was the flesh that was speaking that day, but it was speaking quite passionately because it was not fun. I didn't want it. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was for, but I knew that it was causing me to lose the grip of control on my life, and as it was slipping away, I was in a freak-out mood saying, take this off of me. This choice I don't want. Take it away. He didn't listen to me because he knew my heart, and he took me on a journey, and the next five years were very, very difficult, uh, but I emerged from that wilderness, and I was ushered into a season of ministry in this valley eight years ago. And I had zero ministry influence. Say zero. Zero. zero like zero. I had no ministry influence. I started my ministry. There was a back room of the, and it was where the seniors had the class. Seniors. I love you seniors. But your classroom was really bad. And uh, it was, there was one of those like Amish fire fake fireplaces You know, there was one of those because the room was cold and I would turn that on and then there was this old altar that I would put in front of that Amish fireplace because I had nothing to do. Nobody really cared to meet with me. I was 22 years old and I I spent hours laying my whole body on this little probably four foot altar staring at that Amish flame saying, God, I just want to see revival. I just want to see revival. I just want your fire, God. Just, Just fall on me just just burn through me. And uh, uh, so I had zero ministry influence. I said, like, that's what I did most of the time. My first about year in ministry, all I did was pray. I changed an old storage closet in the church to a prayer closet. I started getting people in there to pray. That's all I did. I just prayed. I had no ministry. I had no platform. I had no messages. Nobody wanted to meet with me. Nobody gave a rip. I just prayed. That's all I did. But what I did have, I had two things, and that came from that five-year wilderness season. I had uh, intimacy with Jesus. I knew him. I knew him deeply because I had suffered with him, and I had, I had experienced a lot of deep grief and pain with him. I had pilgrimaged with him to different places around the world, and, and he had met me, and he'd changed me, and he'd changed my life, and I knew Jesus. I had deep connection with Jesus. And the other thing I had was a deep belief and a conviction that I was going to see a move of God in this valley. I, I, I had been blessed by God. I'd gone to different places and around the world, and I had been able to see the revivalistic move of God's Spirit. And it's hard to describe it because you don't, you don't, you, you're not taught it. You just catch it. And I, and I caught something in, in the travels. I just started going to different churches, to different nations, to different places where I knew God was moving. And I just I, I needed to see it. And I saw it with my own eyes. And I'll I, I never forget really that I can't even go into it all. But there was just these deep moments where something inside my heart was so deeply gripped that the purpose for my existence was whatever it is that I'm I'm seeing, this is what I was made for. And if you're calling me to the church, it's not just to do church, but you're calling me to something more. You're calling me this this same thing that I feel in South America and Africa and Asia and all these places. I'm gonna see it again and I'm gonna see it here and I'm gonna see it in, in this city, in this place. That's the only two things I had. I had intimacy with Jesus, and I had a deep conviction that somehow, someway, even though I had no ministry, I had no influence. I was in the back room of a church. All I was doing was praying for the Amish fire to (laughs) come on me. I just knew. I just knew inside of me that God was going to do something here. And uh, that's all I had. I started in ministry in the first three years. I think I learned uh, I, learned, I learned probably two things the first three years of ministry. And, and what those two things were were uh, I, I had to learn how to cultivate an atmosphere of God's presence in my life. Uh, I, I had come from these revivalistic expressions. And when I started preaching, which was seven years ago this February, so I'm a little over seven years, just, uh, just been preaching the word. And uh, when I started, it was really dry and really clunky, if I'm honest i wasn 't I wasn't particularly great at it. I was scared of public speaking, and i hadn 't done it a lot, but I started preaching every week on Sunday night service, and I know some in this room uh, you were there uh, you were there on some of those dry and clunky nights, and you say they were anointed, but i don 't believe you you 're just super nice. Um, And and, uh, that, that ministry started with 125 people, and I think the next week it was 80, and I think the next week it was about 10, and then it went down to like two or three. And I know some of you, I saw you, Kari, wherever, you were there. She was there the night that it was three people. Was it you and Brad? I, I think it was just it was you, and I just remember this other uh, lady that was Catholic, and she just liked to come for some reason. And uh, so, so you know, there, I just remember three people, and, you know, it's just this really humble beginnings, humble, humble beginnings. But I learned, I, I recognized I have to learn how to create an atmosphere of God's presence in my life. I had gone and been into other atmospheres where God's presence was so ripe, but I recognized that that wasn't in my ministry, that wasn't in my environment, and I had to learn how to cultivate and create an environment, an atmosphere, become a worshiper, really learn how to set set a a, a standard in a room of what God was doing and what God was going to do and create atmosphere, and it was was a lot of uh, learning, really, really gradual learning, really slow learning. And in that, as I, as I started going about trying to learn how to steward God's heart uh, in a community, I recognized very quickly uh, in, in, in those three years that I couldn't do it alone. That the only way that we were going to see something like what I had seen in other places was if a community of people caught it. If, if we caught it together and we together became keepers of the flame. Became, became stewards of the Shekinah. Learned how to dwell and cultivate the presence of God in our lives. Learned how to become a people of prayer. A house of prayer that weren't just spiritual consumers but spiritual cultivators who could get into environments and that it doesn't matter what's going on i live in christ above my circumstances and i have access to him in the holy of holies by the blood that he shed on the cross of calvary and we're going to create an environment where the shekinah glory of god begins to invade and i knew if we we're ever going to see a church service and then much less a city saturated by the Shekinah glory of God, it was going to have to be a communal movement. It was going to have to be a, a, a people movement that I would never, ever, ever be able to do something like that alone. Uh, that was in the, the midst of uh, the first ministry, planting the first ministry uh, for those three years. And then uh, th- th- three, after those first three years, so about five years ago... Uh, was when I began uh, the process of, of River House in my heart. It started in about February of 2016, and we didn't start meeting until June 6th, I think was our first prayer meeting. Um, but we then, uh, we then started, and, and I kind of took that and said, okay, this is what we're going to do with River to We're going we're to be a house of prayer. We're going to be a place where the glory of God fills the temple, and people are going to come from hundreds of miles to watch it burn. And I believed that in faith, that no sight. There was no sight. It was just faith. But I believed it. And uh, early on, I had, a, I had a vision, before we'd even started, I had a, a really vivid vision uh, that the Lord does speak to me in this way sometimes. And uh, the, the, the vision that I saw is, I saw uh, the Treasure Valley was like this big, big field, and it was, it was uncultivated. It, had, it was kind of hard dirt. And then there was this massive, giant iron plow. I mean, huge. The thing was huge. It had to be a mile, a mile across. Like, it looked so big, it looked like it could never move. And then the Lord invited me, he said, I, I want you to come and, and get into the yoke of the plow. And when I got into the yoke of this plow, I was like claustrophobic, like this will never move. This is the most overwhelmingly heavy thing I could even imagine. I will never be able to move it. It literally was a, almost like a, like a claustrophobic feeling being it. Like I, this, is, this is suffocating, Lord. I, I can't carry the weight of this. And as I was watching the vision, it was the anointing of God came upon me and this strength, like a supernatural strength, just began to exude in me. And I just began to walk and started moving this plow. And I knew it was, it was like by the, the supernatural strength of God that this plow started moving. And I watched myself for some time. The plow started moving slowly. It started, the teeth started digging into the dirt. It started pulling up and, and cultivating the land. And then, uh, after a, a time of this, uh, the anointing began to come off of me. And the, the weight of the plow began to set in. And almost in despair, I started crying out and saying, my God, I can't do this. My God, I can't do this. This is too heavy. This is suffocating. This is, this is impossible. And as at that moment when I was about to just say, I'm done, uh, all these other people on my right or my left, it was like the, the yoke began to multiply. And people started getting into the yoke with me and started carrying the plow. And then the plow began to move with an even greater effectiveness and a greater uh, uh, speed than it had before. And I began to see the valley cultivated by this massive iron plow. Yeah. So uh, I I say this to say, um, I'm just kind of disclosing some of my heart tonight. The last five years have been a pioneering thrust of this ministry. Uh, and God's grace did come upon me and a, a, a group, a small group of individuals, to, to, to pioneer uh, what is now River House. Uh, I, I, I don't get as much time as I would like to kind of distance myself from this. Um, but when I do have moments, I pinch myself sometimes and say, I, I don't know how this happened. I, I, I believed you, God, but I don't think I had perfect faith because there's still part of me that's a little shocked. And I, 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 I believed this would happen like this one day, but I thought it would take many, many more years. And uh, it's been beautiful. Uh, it's also been really hard and really difficult and uh, more pain and tears than I would have imagined either and more gratitude and joy than I could have fathomed uh, these last five years, seeing this come literally from a seed, just a little seed. Uh, to something that's maturing and and bearing fruit and and growing. And uh, it's it's been an experience that's really difficult to describe. Uh, A long work that I know began for me well over a decade ago. Uh, But the aim in, in creating this church, like my aim, probably if I were to boil down above anything else, was to create a community here, where we break the consumption mindset of the american church and 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 together become worshipers become uh, these spiritual cultivators that 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 buy into a life of prayer and in worship of, of learning to cultivate god's presence to say like this is to live as christ and to die as gain you know it's the dream has been what what i've seen when I travel, and I, you, you get gripped by the fervency and the hunger of the poor in spirit. And my dream's been to see that here. And I remember I met with a pastor of a really thriving church in San Diego when I was in school down there. And I said, you know, what do you do with, like, he, start, he was talking about how the percentage of his church and probably a quarter of his church is more nominal. And they sit in the back and they come and go. And I was like, what do you do about that? he's like, it's just always going to be part of the church, just let it be, it's always going to be like that. And I remember it just pricked me that day, so I was like, no, like that is not what it's supposed to be. That, that's not the heart of Jesus for his bride, you know, and that's been the aim here, that we would, we would become that as a community. We would become a people that together, like, give ourselves for the for the move of God and and ultimately I don't think I even had language for it but it would it would, my heart was that God this grace that you came upon me that took me on a journey that I wasn't expecting to go on with my life and has, has brought me into ministry in places that I didn't even want to be or do in my life that that this same this same grace that came on me God that you would come upon this community so that that we would have the faith to dare believe that what you've done in the past and what you do and what you're doing in places around this world, that you would dare to do it here. That, that, that we would pioneer into the bullseye of your heart for your purposes in a region of the earth and that we would not just become a church, but we would become a generational movement that, that out from this place, this, this Idaho, this small and nothing, nor, you know, that nobody even knows about, that, that the glory of God would go forth, and that that the river of God that flows from his throne, that, that is alive and well in this community, would would go and resource nations. And I, I believe that, but I knew it's not me. I know it's only if it's a community of us. And and I share that. And, and, and now when, you know, looking back on COVID, uh, the 2020, to be really just honest with you all, it was devastating to me. It devastated me to see the state of the church when we could no longer gather together in a place where it's more easy to consume and it was devastating to see so many just drift into lukewarmness and the many many cries and the the pain and the of not knowing how to connect with God and be with God and it it, brought, it stripped me naked before the Lord it stripped self-sufficiency in any thought in me that 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 i have the anointing from God that could create some sort of revivalistic culture, just stripped it naked because I had to look face to face and say, God, what have I even been doing? It, what, what I, if, if, we, if we can't, if it's just not being able to come and, and gather, and that just knocks us off, off, off our block, we're, we're so far, we're so far from the vibrancy of, of, of the persecuted bride who, who, who sometimes they don't get to be in fellowship for months on end. But they steward their solitude with a burn, a burning heart. You know, it was devastating to me. I just was crying out to God, what, if, what are we even doing here? What is going on in this nation? Why have you called me to this nation? My heart longs to see this revivalistic expression right here in the American church, in the American nation, where we are inoculated with so many things and so many false comforts and so many, so much opportunity to numb What I didn't see at the time, but I see now, and, and I probably it's just coming more and more into focus these last few months, is that in, in my personal place of pain and weakness, and in the, the weakness and the breaking in a lot of ways of the church, the anointing was starting to spread here. And I've, I, in the last probably three months, there was a service maybe five or six weeks ago, I can't remember exactly, but during worship, I I know what I tasted of. And I tasted of what I'd seen and and what I had dreamed. And it was like it was like my dry lips for being parched with something that I'd been longing for. And it was like I didn't even know. It's like, oh my gosh, what am I what am I drinking right now? And I've watched what God started. The way he's resting upon us in worship and the way he's resting upon a a, a number of you that you've testified to me and and the grace is coming upon your life. And I've been in prayer sets where I'm just sitting out there and I'm like, it's happening. It's happening. And I I don't know how to describe it. I know that the last year was a lot of pruning. It was a lot of breaking. It was a lot of stripping down. But I'm like, my God, you're doing it. You're doing it here. It's not a ripe apple we're not this ripe, revivalistic expression, but we're this green apple, and I see it, and it's like I've tasted, and I know what I've tasted, and I know what I'm seeing, and I know what I'm drinking of, and it's the beginnings. It's the beginnings of, 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 what, of what God's going to do here. It's, it's just the beginning. It's not, it's not the end. It's not matured, but it's the beginning, and I know what I'm tasting of, and I know what I've seen, and I, I've had this deep rejoicing in my heart, saying, my God, you're going to do it here you're going to do it here and 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 what you've given me you are going it it's it's spreading the grace of god this this spirit of god that that it's never meant to be on an individual i don't know why god chose me to do what he's chosen me to do i don't feel worthy of it I've had the last five years a lot of working on my inner life to try to break off the shame that tries to make me feel like I'm not worthy and I'm not qualified because deep down I'm not. I'm a first generation pastor. I have no credentials. I have nothing that says in the natural that, that why God should pick me, but I just believe God and I believe that he will and I believe that he has. But I know it's not just for me, and it's not about me. And if you know me, you know my heart is not about me. I don't want my self-glory. I don't want to be famous. I just want to see a revival of God expressed in the earth. And I'll pay any price to see it. I'll go any length. to to see it, I'll do anything, I just, my eyes long to see the Shekinah of God overflowing and saturating a people and a community and a city and a region into the the, the places of the earth that God wants to release it to. That is the dream of my heart, the deep, deep dream of my heart. Why am I saying all this? This sabbatical is not just about me going away. I've been longing to go back to the wilderness for eight years because I miss the sacredness of what that place was. And and I feel very graced by God that he's allowing me to go back to a secluded place and a a time of silence and for me and my wife to go and be with Jesus and and to be a learner and, and not to preach and to be fallow ground. I'm longing for that. I'm longing to go and just be with my first love, and not have to focus on anything external, but to receive new grace for the next season of ministry here. That is what God is calling myself and Jackie to, but I believe what God is calling you to is what God was calling the elders to in Numbers 11. He's calling us as a community to a place where the anointing of God is going to be on full display that it is not about me, God has chosen me to lead, but it is not about me. And as I step away, I believe God's anointing is, is here, and it's going to be here, and, and it's this grace, the grace that just came on me as a 17-year-old, I believe it's available. It's available, and it's going to come upon the elders of this house. It's going to come upon the hungry and the poor in spirit and those that say, I want to be a part of of creating a generational movement that transforms not just my life and my nuclear family and my church community and my city, but the world. I don't think this is just spitting big grandiose language. This is what God is doing here. This is what we are creating here. But, but I and, and a church staff or, or some even head volunteers, we will never be enough to create it. To create this, it's from the back to the front. It's from the young to the old. It's from the, the mature to the immature. The wise and those needing to learn wisdom. It's all of us buying in and saying, let it come on me. Let it come on me. Let it come on me, God. Make me a house of prayer. Or the fire on my altar never goes out. Make me a house of prayer. Use me. Mold me. Shape me. Just don't pass me by. If you, can, if you can use Jordan, you can use me. If you can use anyone, you can use me. God desires to use you. God desires to use this community. God desires to use you to create something. To, to, to continue a generational work. I believe that's what God is calling us unto. This isn't just like a Jordan's gonna go on vacation, woohoo. hoo. I'm, I'm calling you as a community to a higher place. I'm calling you to more because it's for you. And I, 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 I believe that the Spirit of God who proceeds from the heart of Jesus and from the Father is the one leading this, this church. I am not the one leading this church. It is the sovereign hand of God that is leading this church and he will be leading this church this summer. He'll be leading me, he will be leading you and he is continuing the work that he's begun. And he has stewarded, he's entrusted to our stewardship a green apple that has all the potential in the world to see, to to be a, a, a true regional transformation to be a generational movement. Why not us? Why not here? Why not now? So I just wanna, I I wanna encourage you to offer yourself unto it. Believe God is calling us as a community to step into the yoke, to step into his anointing, and to become active participants spiritual cultivators, men and women of prayer and worship who begin to give themselves to cultivating an environment of Shekinah glory. You are not called by God to be a consumer in the church. You are called, you're you're wildly creative and more powerful than you even know. You are made in the image of God, the creator, whose voice changed the cosmos. And his word in his mouth is just as powerful when it's in your mouth. And when you lift your voice in praise, when you seek the face of God, when you give yourself, when you don't hold back, when you engage vulnerably, when you offer, your, things change. And if we'll give ourselves to this, I know what we will see. I believe it with every fiber of my being. I believe it in a deep place inside my soul that we are called by God to do something very special. We. Hallelujah. It's kind of a different sabbatical message, huh? This is how I want to close tonight. Uh, I'm going to have Becca, maybe Becca if you just want to come up and start leading us in worship. I. I felt the Lord just put on my heart to just give a call to this, uh, that if tonight you wanna step out of a place of just consumption, or just sitting on, sitting on the stands watching the game unfold. But if, if, if you just something in your heart tonight just saying yes, like I want the anointing. Uh, I, I want to become a man or a woman of prayer. I want to become a cultivator and not a consumer, and I'm, I'm ready to just step into this, and I'm saying yes. Uh, I just, I felt like I was supposed to, it's almost like a, it's repentance and impartation simultaneously, uh, that, that you get to step out of something, and then I'm just gonna ask that, that grace, that the grace of God would just begin even flowing and working in a new way come upon you. I think that God's gonna just lose creativity and cultivation in your secret place, in your player life, that you'd begin to learn how to create an environment of God's presence in your life. You have the power to do that because Christ is already inside of you. And as you learn prayer and worship, the rhythms of intimacy with God, he starts to come out of you. And you're no longer a passive victim to your life, but you walk in carrying the king of glory wherever you are. You're a steward of the heart of God. I just feel like God's just stepping, he's just inviting you in, so if that's you, I just want you to, you can just stand up and you can come forward, and we're just going to, we're just going to dim the lights, we're just going to worship, I'm going to have ministry team just kind of float as well, and if you're not responding, ministry team, you can just come lay hands, and we're just going to ask for the grace of Jesus to just come and fill this place. In your voices, just, just, just sing this with Becca. And maybe just lift up even your own words. Just begin to express what's happening on the inside of your heart to Jesus. Yes, God, let heaven come. Let heaven come. Let heaven come, God. Let heaven come. Let the King of heaven come. Let the King of heaven come. You're the Lord of the church. Let the King of heaven come. You're the one who baptizes in fire. You're the one who releases the anointing of your spirit upon the bride. Let the king of heaven come. Let the king of heaven come. Let the king of heaven come. And just fall upon your church tonight. Fall upon us, Jesus. Fall upon us, Jesus. Take of your spirit, Lord, that pioneering spirit, God, that pioneering spirit, God, that created this, God, and let it rest upon the bride. Let it rest upon the community. Let it rest upon the hungry tonight. Let it rest upon the poor in spirit tonight, God. Just just give more, God. Let the King of Heaven come. Let the King of Heaven come. Let the King of Heaven come. Let the oil of Heaven come. Just let your oil flow, Jesus. Let the oil, let the oil of your anointing flow upon your house, God. Let it flow upon this house tonight, God. Let it flow upon this house, God. Let it flow, God. Let it flow. Mark us, God. Mark us for revival. Mark us for your purposes. Mark us with your anointing. Mark us with your presence. Mark us with your glory, God. Mark us, God. Wound us, God. Wound us, God. Wound us, God. Just express your hunger to Jesus. Just Just let your hunger express itself. Welcome to bring your children in uh, we're just gonna keep ministering in this space and you're welcome to leave as you feel led and bring children in if you want but if you could go get them that would be awesome we're just gonna keep keeping right in this place yeah just come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit and activate activate tonight activate God what's been dormant inside of many God, activate, God, what has been the seeds of the kingdom, God, that have been sown and dormant. Activate tonight, God. Activate, God. I just call forth the glory of Jesus that's already deposited. I just call it forth tonight, God. Just call it forth tonight, God. Just breathe with a fresh winds and a fresh fire, God, upon the hearts of your church and activate, God, stir it up, God. Stir up most holy faith. Stir up the anointing, God.